0: You're listening to where the world comes to talk.
1: The thousands of men who were killed or wounded under the command of General George Pickett at Gettysburg are long remembered. But the 19 men that Pickett ordered hanged in 1864 are all but forgotten, except by some historians, including our guest, Donald E. Collins, We'll talk with him in a moment on Civil War Talk Radio. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R dot com.
0: Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment. And yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard. And when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality to begin living a life you love, visit TheVitalYou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk.
1: Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Today, talking with Don Collins about the death and resurrection of Jefferson Davis, the title of Dr. Collins' book, we've discussed in our first two segments the wartime and post-war careers of jefferson davis Uh, we got to his discussed his dramatic farewell tour of the south and then his funeral in 1889 but that was not enough there's more davis he is then dug out of the ground and taken on another farewell tour and reburied in 1893 in richmond and that's not enough years a few years later a, various committees organized to uh, to raise money to build a monument to Davis, and that brings us to our current point in the story. How does uh, after the committees that try to build a Davis monument fail to raise sufficient money, who steps in and, and makes this happen?
0: Well, the only thing that the, uh, that, the that the Jefferson Davis Monument Association got, got was a cornerstone. And they uh, went and then uh, uh, appealed to the United Daughters of the Confederacy, which was a new organization. And the Daughters of the Confederacy agreed to uh, take it on. And it wasn't long before they just took over the whole project, and the male members of the uh, association resigned, and the uh, association became a, a, a committee of the United Daughters of the Confederacy. And uh, they were very good. They tend to be more dedicated, concerned, uh, and ambitious than the men were. Uh, they, uh, they held bake sales uh, bazaars. Uh, they they uh, got money any way they could possibly get it. Uh, their first thought after, after the, um, the temple was, to let's, let's build an arch. Uh, and the, interest, the arch didn't go very far. They actually got a sculptor who, uh, who planned an arch. So they were all ready to go. But Mrs. Davis and some other members of the, uh, of the uh, United Daughters of the Confederacy objected, they say you cannot build a triumphal arch uh, to a man on a co- uh, who lost a war. They say, no matter how honorable it was, people will ridicule you for making a triumphal arch to Davis. So that, that, that fell through, uh, partly for economic reasons. And then they came up and says, okay, well, we'll turn this project over to a, another man, a Richmond sculptor, who had done the recumbent Lee uh, in the, uh, the chapel at Washington Lee University? His name was uh, Valentine, and uh, and he and a man named William Nolan uh, put together uh, the monument that stands today at the head of Monument Avenue or is it Monument Avenue or Monument Boulevard uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And this this one is truly, in my opinion, a Confederate national monument. It's it's a Davis monument, but their purpose was the Confederacy. Thirteen columns, each representing the states of the Confederacy, plus Maryland and uh, Kentucky. Uh, A a statue of of Davis, uh, uh, about uh, an 8-10-foot statue of Davis. Um, And it was a a beautiful monument. And it was was finally... uh, Erected and dedicated on Davis's birthday, uh, like June 3rd, uh, 1907, and as I say, as, as, as not, so this basically is that this brought Davis around full circle from being just a martyr and military hero to being Jefferson Davis, Confederate.
1: So this and is celebrated with Confederate flags, and Confederate. Symbolism. With Confederate
0: flags and everything, it was it was a truly Confederate monument.
1: And this this then uh, drawing on that earlier. Uh... Uh, analogy: uh, I, I mentioned if Saddam Hussein had a triumphant farewell tour, say ten years from today, uh, after American forces are long gone from from Iraq, we in this country might look, do a double take uh, at that. But if it were accompanied by uh, firing of, of cannons and Iraqi flags, and perhaps burning a few American flags in the process, uh, we might be tempted to, uh, to, to step in again. Yet here, uh, when in 1907, when the South celebrates the Confederacy in this way, uh, the reconciliation between North and South is pretty much complete by then. You're right. So we don't uh, see much reaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Davis had, uh, before had been sort of inferior in the eyes of Southerners to, uh, to Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee, but uh, with the erection of the monument, Davis had risen to the equality with them. And then when, then when you have things like the Stone Mountain Memorial, you have Davis riding on the horse alongside Lee and, uh, Lee and Jackson. And you have a Jefferson Davis highway that crosses the country and so forth. So Davis is finally uh, comes to the way we remember him in history as president of the Confederacy. We don't remember the martyrdom anymore. We don't remember Buena Vista, but we remember him as president of the Confederacy. And this is, uh, this is the evolution of Davis's image uh, and, uh, up until 1897, I mean 1907.
1: I was reading recently a review uh, of a book about the post-war confederacy, uh, specifically about the United Daughters of the Confederacy, who paid for that monument. Uh, and it was, The review was by Eric Foner, so mm-hmm. it, it's not surprising uh, his take on it. But one comment he made was that it's hard not to gasp at the amount of harm done by the UDC to American race relations and historical understanding. Uh, would you share that view?
0: I think at the time, uh, it, it, times change. I think that uh, that today, in the future, things like this it probably is true, but I'm not sure it was true at the time. Um, I, as I conclude my book, I say that Davis is basically uh, – Whereas he was very popular with the South and everything else at the time, uh, by early the early 20th century and being on Stone Mountain and having a highway named after him and so forth, right now Davis's image is is, is sinking, is declining, and it's just a result of the, the changes in the way you uh, history is looked at. And so the- uh, also a uh, political movement. Uh, you have a civil rights movement, and and the strength of the civil rights movement. And even the South is changing. Uh, Northerners are moving south. The South isn't the, isn't the current South. Isn't the old South? And uh, as you as the South becomes more like more generally American and less Southern, uh, things like Jefferson Davis, the uh, Confederacy, and so forth decline in importance.
1: Or, or, or certainly, they would be remembered in different ways.
0: They will be remembered in different ways.
1: Let me switch gears a minute and ask you uh, about a subject that. That I brought up in the the introduction to this segment, uh, the, the Kinston, North Carolina hangings of I think was it 1864? Uh, yes, uh, you, I, I When I came here to eastern North Carolina a few years ago, I knew knew some little bit about the Civil War, but not a great deal about the war in the eastern half of North Carolina. And events like this that uh, pretty much pass under the radar screen of most uh, accounts of the Civil War uh, suddenly come to my attention. I think you may have been the first person I, I heard about this from. Uh, what happened in Kinston in 1860, in February 1864?
0: Well, what most people don't realize is that uh, the western part of the state is, uh, is known for its unionism, and, uh, and, they, and in the western part of the state they formed two regiments of uh, North Carolina Union uh, uh, soldiers white soldiers. And it's not known that in the East they did the same thing. Uh, but So we had the 1st and 2nd North Carolina uh, white Union volunteer regiments. Um, uh, generally, in the 2nd North Carolina where the, the, from which the men were hanged, this was a, a, a regiment made up perhaps a third to a half of former Confederates deserters who came into Union lines looking to escape the war. The Union offered them large signing bonuses, promised them their wives and children places to live, gave them rations, and promised them that they actually wouldn't have to go out and fight. They could actually stay in the cities in which they enlisted and stay there under the protection of northern regiments that would be in the same area. But, and so they were generally safe unless the Confederates attacked the cities in which they were stationed uh, general Pickett uh, attacked uh, Newburn in uh, at, in the in January February of 1864 and uh, an entire company uh, was uh, unfortunate enough to be trapped b- behind Confederate lines and were captured 53 of these of these were uh, former were members of the company's Company F of the 2nd North Carolina Union Regiment, and when the Union discovered that some of these men had been in the Confederate Army and they got back to Kingston, uh General Pickett was... There's an argument as to why Pickett did this. Uh, some say Pickett was uh, frustrated over the loss of his uh, regiment at uh, Gettysburg in Pickett's charge. Um, but my conti- contention is the other. Uh, there was so much desertion Robert e. Lee said that if it hadn't been for so much desertion, he might, may have might have won uh, the Battle of Antietam. And he says uh, he says nothing but a drastic action will solve this problem. Uh, so taking up on on what Lee's thinking was on this, uh, uh, Pickett was providing that drastic action. He uh, and he, there was uh, court martials, in which twenty two of these men were found guilty and executed. Uh, in groups of uh, anywhere from two at a time to 13 at a time. And they were, and all these men were actually from the same area in which they were hanged. Uh, they were close enough to their homes that wives could come in and see their husband die. Uh, but the reason for the hangings instead of the shootings was because they figured that desertion was one thing. Um, you, you could you say, face the firing squad for that, but desertion to the enemy was worse, and so they w- were hanged.
1: So this was to be an object lesson. This was to. It was
0: to be an object lesson, and the reason I, I believe that that this was in Pickett's mind was because he said initially before the first hang, he says, after we uh, after we uh, shoot a, a number of these men, maybe they will maybe they will quit deserting, and then as soon as the desertions were over, there was uh, there was a sermon preached to all the Confederate units uh, in the rich, in the. Uh, Kinston area, a, a sermon on desertion, the evils of desertion. And uh, to me, the uh, the sermon on desertion picket statement before the hangings all indicates that this is part of, a, of an attempt to stem desertion in the Confederate armies. So
1: they, those who were executed were were guilty under the Articles of War, of having deserted and then having joined the enemy.
0: And some people uh, agreed with this. Uh, General Grant uh, made a statement that if something similar had happened in the Northern Army, he would agree that that, you know, that was the case. It should have been done. Uh, there was a uh, commander of a regiment from, I think, Maine, who uh, or Massachusetts, had little good to say about these men that were hanged because he thought that first of all the uh, the army shouldn't have trusted them to be in their army in the first place. So there was uh, there was some outrage uh, over this, and there eventually there was an attempt to bring a, a court martial, uh, actually a war crimes trial against Pickett uh, for the hangings, but it never took place.
1: But this really underscores the the division. Within a Confederate state, within Eastern North Carolina, the the split between people willing to fight for the Union, those willing to fight for the Confederacy, and, yeah. and the uh, that that, it, that the level of violence in this case, state-sponsored organized violence, but, yeah. but still yeah. uh, killing it is pretty yeah. extreme. Yeah, cool. How did you come across this story yourself? Do you recall?
0: Again, it was uh, one of those uh, accidental things. I I can't remember precisely what happened, uh, but I was really looking for my. uh, I had heard about it, and I was looking for my great grandfather who lived in Kinston at the time and died uh, at the same time as the hangings. (laughs) I was looking to see whether or not my great grandfather was one of those hanged. He wasn't, and I I still don't know why he died at the age of 31 at the same time that that, that, the event happened. But. Anyway, I, I, decided, I finally decided. Says, well, I'm going to tell this story as completely as it could possibly be told, and uh, and that's the the article resulted from that. Let's see.
1: Is that article uh, in print now? Uh, that a- it's,
0: uh, it's actually this is in uh, it's in print. Uh, it's in a book called The Articles of Command. The, the uh, it's art, what is it? The Art of Command in the Civil War, edited by Stephen Woodworth. It's uh, it's been uh, copied to the uh, Internet. The uh, Kinston Civil War uh, Commission uh, has added it to their site. Um, There's a site in in Hyde County, because a number of them were from Hyde County, has been added to that site. And there's a group over in Belgium, the Confederate Historical Association of Belgium, uh, which puts out a a, a very slick Civil War Times-type magazine out, that, uh, that has uh, reprinted it, and this time with illustrations, where it didn't have it in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, I would recommend uh, to our listeners, then, th- th- to pursue both of those. Uh, th- we've had Stephen Woodworth on the show, uh, th- a fine historian, and his, his, anything he's edited, I'm sure, is worth looking at. And uh, listeners, it'll give you a chance to read more of Dr. Collins' article on the Kinston hangings, And you'll also want to pursue the death and resurrection of Jefferson Davis and uh, follow up on the story of how Davis transformed in American history from a, a hated president to a symbol. And then, as you point out, full circle to nearly forgotten. Well, Don, thank you very much for being on the show today. We've run out of time and uh, must go till next week. But it's always good to hear from you and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. I enjoy it. Thank you for listening. This is Jerry Prokopovich on Civil War Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk.